What's going on, everyone? Welcome to the Myers and Street podcast. Uh, this episode, I had the great pleasure of having my good friend, Mr. Andrew Robinson Powell, co-host uh, with Tony Street out. It was a, a good conversation. Uh, we got into daily fantasy, uh, a little bit more about some, some new upcoming league formats, uh, and then a, a segment where we talked about you know, who do we think is going to be the top performers in, in some of the teams across the league? So with that said, here's the podcast. You're listening to the Myers and Stroop Podcast. Your source for poor advice. Yeah, duh. Let's go with me. Useless information. Works for me. And oh, uh, did we mention fantasy football? With your hosts, Nate Myers and Tony Stroot. What's going on, everyone? We have a special edition of the podcast. I do not have Mr. Tony Stroot, but you do have Nate Myers here. I've got Mr. Andrew Robson Powell all the way from Cypress, Texas. Um, joining me with the podcast to add some flavor to the mix, some variation. Uh, Andrew, go ahead and introduce yourself. Uh, Andrew Powell. Many of you know me already. Um, flown in all the way from Liverpool just for this podcast. Um Probably been playing fantasy now for about eight years. Victor Garcia got me into it, so he's to blame, actually. Um, and as soon as I started playing, it has taken over my life. I'm an addict. I should go to some meetings for it. My wife would agree. But um, no, I mean, it, it's fantastic. And it's got me into NFL and various other sports. So it's a pleasure filling in uh, Mr. Stroot's big boots for the night. So I think our our female count or listener for the podcast might go up by maybe uh, 200% um, <laughs> by bringing in Andrew. Sorry, Tony. That's good. Um, <laughs> but no, Andrew, I've been friends with him for a long time. Um, he has great fantasy knowledge and don't be deceived by his UK accent. Uh, even though he's an avid Liverpool supporter in the English Premier League football, Um he is well-versed in NFL fantasy football. Um, I've played in many dynasty leagues and redraft leagues. Uh, he actually is a commissioner of, is it a 14-person league this year? 14, yeah. 14-person redraft. It's got quite a few uh, really special league uh, variants, I guess, in terms of points and how we uh, handle scoring. Um, but – that one's been going on for what six, seven years. I think it's in, in its seventh year, and the latest change that we implemented that was a bit new was based on where you finished last season. Was so say you won last season, you got to choose your draft position this season. So it kind of added a little bit of um, an interesting factor at the end of the year for teams that we've just kind of given up. Um, say if you didn't finish 14th, you finished 10th, you got to choose your draft position four spots earlier. So kind of added a little twist to the league and, uh, yeah, it's uh, kept it competitive. So that said, uh, Andrew's been a solid commissioner. So all of the, between myself, Tony and Andrew, I mean, we all commission our own leagues, which comes with its own fair share of challenges and frustrations. And I mean, it's kind of like the, uh, the softball team manager, nobody really appreciates it until they're yeah. gone. Uh, there's a lot of work behind the scenes, but uh, 
uh, appreciate you running links you do. Now, just as a, a quick information to spice things up literally, before we got on this podcast, um, we actually did the uh, – how, how do you even pronounce it? Packy's One Chip Challenge. <laughs> how you, phrase so, it. However you phrase it. So it's this – Carolina Reaper chip that has apparently 1.5 million Scoville units of heat. And yeah, we pushed out a little bit and we split the chip or maybe we, we quartered it. I agree to disagree, but that just bitch was hot. <laughs> just to be clear, I've, uh, I've already informed the authorities of the assault on my mouth that uh, Nate Myers has committed this evening with that chip. Um, it took a good 30 minutes for me to be able to feel anything again. So, um, yeah, don't ever go over to his house and don't accept anything he offers you. Lesson so one, learned. One thing between Andrew and myself, I mean, we always somehow, uh, maybe it's more so me, I tried to introduce extremely spicy uh, foods to Andrew, but he always steps up and he never backs down. So I've got a, 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 a vast respect for his ability to consume extremely spicy things I, I call it at bravery. the expense of yeah. my uh <laughs> my wife calls it stupidity <laughs> so okay now that said now that we're all hot and ready for uh this podcast we want to delve into really the nfl news and notes so when we had podcast number two uh, this was right before news broke of aj green so what we know right now, AJ Green is apparently out through potentially two weeks of the uh, regular season. Yeah, that's what I heard. So with AJ Green going down, I mean, really, what that what that means is Tyler Boyd is really in the driver's seat to really become a number one wide receiver at least for those first couple of weeks. I know you've got competition with Tyler Eifert, and you have John Ross kind of just lingering in the background. The you know, speedster that just never really turned into anything. Um, but I mean, f- for as a as a green owner, I mean, it's disappointing. I think he's definitely still a stash player you can have on your roster. Uh, somebody that might be trade value later uh, if he can come back. But it's it's disappointing nonetheless. So I know in in other news we also have uh, where I believe is put on the pup list for the Colts. Uh, this really just kind of impacts Marlon Mack in terms of his job security. So uh, he's not the uh, most interesting player in the world to me. But uh, and Carmera, Camara, your Saquon Barkley's, like these guys are, you know, for lack of better words, man, they're, they're sexy. And then you have Marlon Mack. Like, is it just me or is there like, there's nothing, nothing sexy about. Him. Like to me, how how else can I best explain it? He's he's like that that boring neighbor. Like oh, like I've got Todd Gurley and Alvin Kamara, and here's my neighbor, Marlon Mack. <laughs> think about who we replaced, and that was Frank Gore. He's young Frank Gore. There's <laughs> nothing about this guy that's exciting. He will get you some yards. I, I, will he break off a 90-yard touchdown in a game? I don't think so. But um, he's he's young Frank Gore for me. So uh, I don't know if you're familiar with that old song like uh, by Mark Morrison, Return of the Mac. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you ever heard that, like if we play that, we'll probably get uh, we'll get removed from Spotify and and Apple. But 
Um, the royalties. We'll have a dance party to that if he ends up being like in the top five uh, running backs. But he's got that potential. It's just it's hard for me to buy into him. Um, he's kind of like almost like that, like Jones and Green Bay. Just those names that it's it's tough to get behind them and all in. Um, if if you're playing, you know, hold them. Would you would you go all in on those guys? I don't know. Like it's a hell of a lot easier with Barkley, but it's just I don't know. They're like the ace king of like Texas Hold'em. I don't know. The only pro that he has in his corner that is not solely based on his own talent is the rest of the offense. And they should score at will if everyone stays healthy. Um, Andrew Lux in his prime, T.Y., they should be moving down the field regularly. And he's also the goal line back, I believe he was, at least last year. So um, points are there to be had. Can he stay healthy? Will somebody else usurp him? We'll see. All right. So what, what else you got for us in terms of uh, news and notes? So there's not been much movement on the Ezekiel Elliott or Melvin Gordon fronts. Um, however, Michael Thomas did sign his contract extension. Five years, $100 million, <coughs> making him the highest paid wide receiver in the league. So all the dynasty owners that had him on their team can breathe easy now. Um, not so much for the Zeke and Melvin owners. Though. So you, got, you said five years, $100 million? Five years, hundred million. So we got a new standard of twenty million a year for, you know, that number one wide receiver. Um, I guess specific to New Orleans, you know, with that signing of that contract to cut Cam Meredith, um, even though New New England was quick to pick them up, which doesn't make any fucking sense to me. I mean, they they're like the I don't know know what their strategy is. I mean, between they still think. I think they have Demarius Thomas still. They do have Demarius Thomas. And Cam Meredith. I mean, it's like a an old folks home of and I I think I, it's it's classic New England and they just signed what's the rookie's name that they just signed? Um last name Harry, I think his name is. No idea. Are they talking about the running back that they hired? No. Or they they drafted? The wide receiver that they got. Um, uh, Nikhil Harry? Nikhil Harry. Sorry, sorry. So they've got him, they've got Edelman. I think of Damian Harris running back the drafted. Yes, that's right. But um, outside of that, I think that they're just punting on veterans. Demarius Thomas, um, if anyone saw him playing for the Texans last year, his receiving, it, it was minimal. It was two, three receptions a game. He was so reliant on touchdowns. He was so reliant on Deshaun Watson. I'm not sure he's got a future in New England. Cam Meredith, ever since his first year in Chicago, has been, I'm not sure if it's just unlucky, but um, his injuries have been significant. It doesn't seem like he's come back for them at all. Last season, he was an afterthought. So maybe they're just checking in to see if there's any chance that he's still got a bit of spark in those legs. But... I'm, I'm not convinced. Well, like Cam Merritt to me, like he, I mean, he was that good news. He was that player that, you know, he wasn't a high draft capital. Whereas Demarius Thomas, I mean, he was drafted really high by the Denver Broncos uh, and he performed at a high level. And when he had his falling out and went to the Texans, um, you know, there's, there's a bit more expectation for him when he went to the Texans. And then when he had, I believe he tore his Achilles, 
um, which is an insane injury. I mean, same thing as his counterpart with Emmanuel Sanders yeah. and Des Bryant. I mean, they yeah. all, I think all three of them tore their Achilles. I mean, that's a, that's a difficult injury to come back from. I mean, that's, you're talking about losing your, your explosiveness, losing your ability to get downfield. And when you're a wide receiver that relies on running clean routes and making cuts and yeah. <clears throat> you have an injury like that, I don't know. I mean, I, I doubt Cam Meredith makes it like through the preseason. And I've got doubts about Demarius Thomas making it through as well. I mean, they drafted a wide receiver in the first round, I believe, with Nikhil Harry. That, ju- that just proves what they think they need. So I, I think they're just looking for an experienced body out there. Um, Demarius Thomas is 31. Not great for somebody coming off an Achilles injury. But Cameron Meredith's injuries have just been so significant as well. It wouldn't surprise me if neither one of them make the team and the Patriots make a move further along in the season, pick up another veteran. I agree with you. So what else we got? It really NFL news. So um, we can talk about the first game of football that happened last night. Yeah, go for it. I know, uh, I know you had a little bit more eyes on the game itself. I mean, me as a, a Denver fan, I mean, I appreciate the Hall of Fame game. Um, specifically Pat Bowen, who is the, the former owner of the Denver Broncos. I mean, growing up in Denver, it was amazing. Like when they won their first Super Bowl, I can't even explain. I was, I think I was actually in eighth grade <clears throat> in middle school, which either dates me or makes me sound really young, depending on who's <laughs> listening. Um, but we took the day off from school to go watch a parade downtown Denver. I mean, it's the first time they ever won the Super Bowl. And between John Elway and Terrell Davis and Rod Smith. And I mean, you talk about like McCaffrey, the running back for uh, Carolina. I mean, his dad played on that Super Bowl winning team as a wide receiver. Jeez. I mean, if you, I don't know if you knew that. Um, so it's, it was an amazing moment. Um, so this Hall of Fame ceremony means a lot because you have Champ Bailey, who was inducted, who was the cornerback for the Denver Broncos. Yeah. You had Pat Bowen, who was the coach – or not coach, but the owner. Um, so it's pretty amazing. But go ahead and let me know what you thought about the game itself. Uh, so it was horrible. Uh, <laughs> I turned it on, and I was like, yes, football's back. And you hear the commentary team. You hear all the familiar voices as the kickoff. You're like, yes, sat down. I'm going to watch some, some football that's back. And about 10 minutes in, I flicked over, I think, to the Astros game. So, But in highlights-wise, the Broncos won 14-10. to 10. The game meant nothing except for first looks at players like Drew Locke and Noah Fant, amongst others. Um, I did see that in the first quarter, there was a 10-yard pass thrown to Fant. He was wide open. Um and as the ball came into him, he caught that there was a defender approaching him, completely fluffed the ball, was not a good look. I've drafted him in a couple of dynasty leagues, so I was a little bit queasy when I saw that. Um, but then I think it was two plays later, they ran a similar play off to the other side of the field, found him again, received it comfortably, got the first down, got out of bounds. He didn't play the rest of the game, I don't think, so I guess they saw enough 
right there. Um, I didn't. Um, as an owner, I'd like to see a lot more from him. But, um, yeah, th there wasn't really too much to take away from Noah Fant. Uh, Drew Locke came in um, through seven completions from 11 attempts, 34 yards. Kind of tells a story in itself. Nothing big there. The scoreline itself was, was so low that there was not a lot of offense in the game. I mean, Matt Schaub played, um, which was another reason that made me flick back over to the Astros. But I guess star performer in the game was um, an Atlanta quarterback, probably the third stringer, Kurt Benkert. I'm not sure if he's on anyone's radar, whether Dynasty probably or not. Yeah, two quarterback leagues. <laughs> but yeah, he, he 185 yards and a touchdown. So that's a, that's kind of the uh, the shit we have get that keeps us going during the off season right now in uh, week one of the preseason. It's weird. I I watched it <coughs> and I was like, I'm so ready for some football. It was on in front of me. I was witnessing football, but it wasn't football. I'm ready for real football. Well, I know week two we should actually see at least one to two series from starters. Yeah. Um, if we're lucky, hopefully. Uh, I mean, technically, I guess it's week one that's coming up. Uh, week two, we should get at least a quarter, and then we'll go from there. But uh, we're getting close uh, in terms of actually seeing some of these players play. I know there's been news of some players that say they are they don't even intend to play any preseason. I know Julio Jones, for one. The veterans, definitely. Exactly. And I don't blame them. Like, that risk of being hurt, um, it's just not worth it. Yeah. You know, and – as, as a fantasy owner, I don't want that shit either. Um, I don't want to see them go out for some freak injury. So with that said, um, I know we want to push into uh, Andrew want to cover a couple potential uh, league formats. I know this year everybody's pretty stacked in terms of leagues they're participating in. But as we mentioned on previous podcasts, we're always looking for really the, the next – iteration of leagues like how can we change what we're doing how can we make it better how uh, can we get on that <laughs> how can we make it more entertaining yeah um we all say we want to get into or we want to reduce the number of leagues we're in but we always end up like multiplying the number of leagues we're in by two exactly um so go ahead and and let us know about a couple of these league formats that you've been talking about so the uh, I've already provided some content in Slack, um, and Tony and Nate discussed last week about the Vampire League, which is a candidate to be created more than likely next year. Um, there were some additional rules that I kind of found from the Example League um, that we didn't know about last week and that I didn't disclose to everyone. Um, that is that no other team other than the vampire, can actually use the waivers for the entire season, which really makes it interesting and kind of swings it back towards the vampire as, as far as odds of actually winning a game or two. Um, obviously, if it's a 12-team league, the vampire doesn't draft, the other 11 teams draft, but then they cannot use waivers again for the rest of the season. The vampire picks his team from waivers after the draft. Now, if the vampire does beat another team during – uh, one of the game weeks, the player that he elects that he wants to trade for, whether it's a running back, wide receiver, whatever it is, he has to trade a player on his own roster who plays the same position. So that was something else that came out today that I was not aware of last time. But 
Um, something else we never really touched on for this league is trades. I don't believe there's any restrictions on trades, so uh, that kind of opens up some potential there too. Now, um, as far as the other league that I commented on, um, I named it Superflex in Slack, but really just to give it some original, originality, we'll call it the Ultraflex. Uh, the concept is that you would have a quarterback, two running backs, two wide receivers, and a tight end, and then you would have four flex spots, one of which could have a second quarterback. Um, this is a league that I've seen a number of um, touts around the industry playing this kind of setup, and it's recommended and could be something else that we look into for next season because I'll be, I'm in six leagues right now. and. I will be killed by my significant other if I join another one. But next year, um, these two leagues are potential candidates. Well, I think that's, that's cool. I mean, for the, the Vampire League, so you as commissioner, if you're running that league, would you, whoever, I mean, how would you choose who's being the vampire? And would you would you charge them entry fee for if they're the vampire? I mean, how would you how would you manage that as a as a commissioner? I honestly think <coughs> I, I know that Tony mentioned last week, I believe that he would go as far as not charging the vampire because their odds are that low. But the fact that no other team can actually use the waivers throughout the season, especially by weeks and injuries, if you think about it, I think it levels the playing field a lot more. I think that the entry fee should be the same mm. across the board. I think that the payout should be a say, the same, whether the vampire wins or whether another team in that league wins, to be honest. See, I was trying to think about that, and I agree with the entry. Like, if, if somebody takes it upon themselves, they want to be that vampire. Like, I think that, for me personally, like, that would be a fun challenge. Yeah. Like, how can I how can I navigate through this league and try, even if you don't, you can't pull a win until maybe week four. Yeah. <clears throat> you have that possibility of, okay, well, now I can steal maybe their best running back or the best wide receiver, and then you start gaining momentum. And you never know, by week seven, you might, maybe you've only pulled off three wins, but you've started to pull some of the best players in the league, and maybe you squeak in as that, I don't know, that that lowest-seeded playoff spot. Get hot in the playoffs. Um, but I, I did think about maybe waiting it to where, if it was a vampire that won the league overall, that they get all the money. But if it's not the vampire, it's there's a tier system. I kind of like that idea, actually, because they, they're they flying solo the entire season that I do believe now after hearing you say that, that the vampire probably has every right to all of the pot. Now, as far as who gets to be the vampire, that's the question, how that's determined, whether it's if you get... <coughs> the players from a, from a league that's current to all say that they'll be in the vampire league next year and the winner of that league gets to be the vampire, something to that effect. I don't know. It, it, that's a bit of a long play, but there needs to be some kind of determination as to who gets to be the vampire because I believe quite a few people will, will really want that role. I agree with you. I mean, I don't know. We'll see what kind of action we get. I'm sure this will be something that comes into play next season as you mentioned with your, your significant other, your wife, I mean, I know they're, they care about the number of leagues we're in because obviously we've got other priorities with our, our kids and, and work and stuff. 
but at the end of the day, I mean, we want to, we want to have a challenge and something fun. And I mean, for me personally, like redraft leagues are not fun to me anymore. To me, dynasties are fun. And even then, like they're starting to get kind of old because now like with the super flex league with a five year limit, that makes it even more exciting. You know, you have this, this cap of, you know, you have to complete your league within five years and then it's done. So it's just, <clears throat> I think we're all looking for that, that the next challenge, the next most interesting league, the next, how can we improve ourselves more improve our, uh, I don't know, fantasy football greatness amongst everybody else. Like we're just all competitive. Like, and we enjoy it. And it's a nice release from life, but, uh, definitely our spouses don't want us to get too deep into it. So me and Nate are literally outside of the back of his house while our wives are inside drinking margaritas. We're trying to be as quiet as we can so that we don't get in trouble for recording this podcast. <laughs> I don't know about quiet. I just can't stop <laughs> coughing. Oh, but that, that said, so Andrew, I know aside from fantasy football um, with redraft dynasty and you commission your leagues and these potential looking into uh, other formats for next year. I know you're also into the daily fantasy football setup, not even not only football, but basketball. I know you delve into golf, to hockey, to baseball. I mean, it's true, Nate. I have a problem. <laughs> um, okay. <clears throat> Sorry. It all started with um, a $3 entry that I made on DraftKings on a Sunday night, Monday night game about four years ago. I uh, can't remember who was playing in the Sunday night game, but I did okay. Maybe got a touchdown, pass, a, a rushing touchdown, I'm not sure. Uh, going into the Monday night game, it was the Patriots and the Dolphins. Um, I kind of just predicted that the Patriots would kill the Dolphins. Um, so I went Brady, Gronk, Edelman, and I think I went Kenny Stills on the Dolphins just for the deep threat um, as a team that's coming from behind. And it went exactly to plan, um, weirdly enough. Um, I was just doing the dishes, had it on in the background, and overheard six-yard pass to Edelman. Five minutes later, 12-yard pass to Grant. Everything was hitting. Um, I was quietly freaking out, looking at how much I was winning. It, it ranged from like $20, $25, up to $50 which is a lot to me. Um, so when I woke up the wife, uh, I was like, look, I'm winning $50. She thought I was insane, uh, threw me out the bedroom, continued to watch the game and things continued on the same track. I think Kenny Sills got like a 90 yard touchdown, which really drove up the numbers. Um, pretty sure I went back into the bedroom and I was winning about a thousand dollars. Woke her up again. Um, Another Edelman touchdown, I believe, took us like $3,500. And then on one of the last plays of the game, Tannehill hit Kenny Stills again, and it was enough to move me up to third place out of something like 180,000 people um, to win $9,000. So ever since that happened, um, I've been sucked into this, to DraftKings. Because um, obviously, once you win it once, you just think to yourself, I can do this again. I'm, this is easy. I can do this again. Um, four years later, I've not won that much again. Uh, a couple of hundred at best in various different sports. But um, 
the only downside I'd say the DFS has compared to, to what we are all used to in season long and dynasty is that it, it takes my attention. I'm watching games on a Sunday and, or at least I used to in the past and I'd have my ESPN scoring page up on my computer. Now DraftKings is up on my computer. I'm more interested in what I'm winning, if I'm winning, because I can get that money now and it's, it's all a fix and it's all come from that, that big win a few years ago. So I think when, when you won that amount of money, I think it was a, I mean, imagine your, your, your best friend or neighbor or somebody that you're really close to wins the lottery. Well, that's going to fucking convince you to start playing the lottery. Yeah. You know, especially if you're already playing. I'd, I'd like to think I have a little <laughs> bit more strategy than the lottery. But. <laughs> so, I mean, I was already playing daily fantasy football and Andrew and I were friends, but when he won that, it was a, a shock to the system, so to speak, where it's like, okay, somebody can actually do this. Like this, it's not rigged. It's not, it's not set up. Like you can, you can win a lot of money in this. Um, so it really inspired us. And I started working with Andrew. We, we mapped out uh, a system to try to win, or the goal was to place as high as we could within the millimaker. And the millimaker was a uh, 140, 240,000 people entry contest, $20 entry. The top prize was a million dollars for every week. So every week there was a contest, this many people playing, put in a $20 ticket, select your lineup. You had the potential to win a, a million dollars. So that was, that was our goal. And we tried to use data and what we saw historically to try to come up with the best strategy to win. We, we met weekly trying to go over our rosters and our potential <coughs> players that we felt good about with the goal of trying to win this overall. Um, I think the best we ended up doing was 199th place, yeah. which the sad thing is top prize for number one is a million well, at 199th, you win like $400. Um, kind of a, a kick in the pants, kind of. But it's the sheer reality of the business. Now, you know, since then, I've, I've kind of taken a step back. Last year, I, I got out of the daily side. I've played a couple of the Millie Makers just for the fun of it. But I tried to focus on season long and redraft and my dynasty teams. And I mean, as Andrew mentioned, when you're in the, the daily side of it, you just end up watching your your rosters and your phone all day, every day on Saturday and Sunday and Monday and Thursday. And <clears throat> you're so worried about your players that you're not even really paying attention to the game. It's like, um, it, it, it really does. Um, but it's still fun. Like I'm not even going to, and I'm saying that, and this, this has literally just come to me. Um, if, I'm not sure if you can hear the children in the background. Um, we've got a bunch the, that we Those aren't children. Those are our analysts. Yes. That handle yeah. of our, our daily. Push down the yeah. producer. Yeah. Interns. Um, I am willing, and, and again, this just came to me, um, to put together a weekly DraftKings league for anyone in Slack who might be interested in 
throwing a team together and uh the interns are excited about it they they are they are <laughs> um we should have got older ones i told you that. um but yes um <laughs> it's pretty simple if anyone's interested i'll throw it up in slack and um it's just another thing for us to do every week but another thing that we can talk about and possibly a big money maker i hope somebody else can win anything near what i won or, or even more so i think that my last comments on on daily so um obviously it's, it's fun it's it can be a bit of a time suck um the one thing that's challenging is you have a lot of smart minds a lot of people with deep pockets so we mentioned the the millie maker so you know andrew and myself we put in you know between five and ten rosters at the most <coughs> at twenty dollars an entry but the the maximum entry i think was 120 so it, a person with a significant bankroll could put in 120 entries at twenty dollars a pop which gave them you know in all due respect a significant uh, higher probability of potentially winning, um, which makes it challenging when you're playing on a day-to-day -day basis. So that said, <coughs> you can go into DraftKings and you see what your return on investment is over time. And I can tell you, I did not have a return. It was a, a deposit to DraftKings. So I, I definitely helped really bankroll a lot of these players uh, within the league. Andrew's bringing me another beer. So if you hear a that's a beer. Um, actually, that was the interns that brought us to us. Like said, so. Um, but, I mean, DraftKings, it's fun. It can be expensive. The competition's high. You have a lot of people that, a lot of smart minds that that's what they spend all their time doing. Um, and it can distract you from, from daily or from season long football. But, uh, it might be beneficial again, like for us to have a, a follow-up podcast where we can focus specifically on daily, or if we can get a, a daily league going, uh, that'd be great. I mean, I think it's the more football, the better, but uh, with that said, we'll go ahead and move into our next section uh, of the podcast. And I like to call this, we'll deem it spitfire. Spitfire. <laughs> I'm in. <laughs> Which that's how I felt after eating that, uh, reaper chip how dare you want to spit fire um as we mentioned on last week's podcast i mean andrew recently had uh, a new addition to his family so him and his wife had a, a healthy baby girl so congrats to him again um but so we break out this this chip and it for those of you don't were or you're not aware of it i mean it's like this the one chip challenge you break out this chip and it's spicy as fuck um it's wrapped and coated and obviously it's just something you don't want to bring around a fucking newborn yeah, at all or, or anyone yes <coughs> anyone alive so we're not allowed around our children or spouses at the moment um even though we've we we ate this chip probably about an hour and a half ago so, um, some would say it was a strategic move yeah yeah oh, oh, oh unfortunately <laughs> we ate spicy chip on demand so we can't watch our children okay but getting back to what we'll get into, Spitfire. Spitfire. <laughs> uh, so what we're going to do, we're going to go through really the, the divisions, and we're just going to challenge each other as far as who we think is going to be 
the the top performer in terms of fantasy uh, for each team. Now we're going to make the assumption here that it's going to be a PPR league, okay. um, so it's not going to be our standard, really touchdown heavy league. Um, and it really doesn't matter if it's assumed superflex, whatever. It's just who we think is the the top performer based on a PPR league. So with that said, uh, Andrew, I'll put the first one on you, and we'll start with the AFC East. So this is the New England Patriots. So who do you feel is going to be the the top performer from the New England Patriots this season? Uh, I think it. Th- this is going to be a boring pick, guys. Um, it's the first name that comes to mind. It's Julian Edelman. Um, he missed the first four games of last season, came back like he'd not missed anything. Um, ultimate pro. If he gets a full season under his belt, um, then I, I just think he's going to be unstoppable. Um, Brady's Brady plays it safe nowadays, more of a game manager. Um, the running game is way too difficult to, to determine who's going to go off each week. But there's one common factor, um, and especially with Grant gone, and that is that Brady loves Edelman. And Edelman is just going to eat and eat and eat as far as reception goes. Uh, if he falls into the end zone as well, great. Um, but he, for me, is uh, head and shoulders above anyone else on this team. I can't really argue with that. I mean, maybe there's an argument for, uh, I guess, who's their, their top spot at running back this year? Sonny Michelle. So Sonny Michelle, I guess. I mean, obviously you have Tom Brady, who has the potential to just have the top overall fantasy points. Um, and maybe that helps for super flex leagues. But in terms of individual performance, I do agree with you, Edelman. Nikhil Harry might have a potential to take away some of those touchdown receptions. Um, but he's probably the best bet. So <clears throat> next team in the AFC East is the Miami Dolphins. So this kind of falls on me. I'm going to say Kenyon Drake. Um takes the primary or the most points out of that team. I mean, quarterback's such a clusterfuck between Fitzgerald or Fitzpatrick, not Fitzgerald, um, and Josh Rosen. And then at wide receiver, yeah, you have Devontae Parker, you have Kenny Stills, your man. Um, but the $9,000 man. I mean, he is the $9,000 man, but I still feel like Kenyon Drake will probably be the ones to receive the carries and the, receptions you have Bellage kind of getting in the mix a little bit but I mean who else are you gonna go to okay I'm sure that for most of these teams we will agree on who the top scorer is going to be but I have to disagree on this one uh since training camp has opened um when the Dolphins have been running plays with the first string it's been Kalen Bellage at running back surprisingly Everyone was all in on Kenyon Drake a few months ago, but Bellage seems to be in pole position as of right now, at least. Um, I think Drake gets more points than him over the rest of the season. I'm not convinced in either one of them, to be honest. But my pick for top scorer for the Dolphins would be Albert Wilson. Um, I know he played sparingly last year before he got injured, but that guy, you could throw him a five-yard pass and he could run it for 80 yards. Um I know that those big plays are a little bit less reliable to predict, but this team's going to be horrible, probably one of the worst in the NFL. 
I don't disagree with that Wilson pick. Um, I've been high on him uh, in terms of drafting kind of as a, a very low, low round. Um, I don't know. There's not many people are high on him. Yeah. So he's kind of one of those, those budget players you can get uh, late in the draft. Definitely. Um, and we'll see what happens. So between Drake and Balazs, who scores more? I'd say Balazs has got the job, at least for right now. But I've been a Drake owner in the past, and that guy is big time too. I like Drake better, but it feels to me like the Dolphins want to give Balazs a chance. I'm not answering your question. I understand that. Um, if we are sat here at the end of the season – I think it says Kenyon Drake is more points than Caleb Blash. Okay. I was going to ask you if you'd bet a one-chip challenge on that. Jesus. And, uh, Jesus. I'm glad you were a little hesitant on that. We'll so wait for the police. <laughs> <laughs> we'll move to the next one. So Buffalo Bills. So this one falls on you, uh, and I can counterpoint if I feel necessary. But who's going to be the uh, the most relevant fantasy football player on the Bills this year? Okay. So I should say something in regards to the Miami Dolphins. Um we're on the bills, bro. Oh, trust me, I know. It, it's a slight apology to them because um, I just said that they would be the worst team pretty much in football. Well, here are the except for the <laughs> counterparts, the Buffalo Bills. Um, there's one guy who sticks out, and that's the quarterback, Josh Allen. Regardless of what's going on, game flow, win, loss, this guy's an animal. He's going to rush for touchdowns. He's going to throw touchdowns, whether they're up, whether they're down. The running backs are a mess. Are they going to cut Shady McCoy? Are they going to go with Frank Gore, TJ Yeldon? Wide receiver, I mean, John Brown is the most well-known name on this wide receiver team. Um, tight end is just a dumpster fire with Tyler Croft. Josh Allen. So I... I don't know. I mean, I agree that Josh Allen will probably inevitably be the, the highest scoring fantasy player. I mean, he's got a lot of upside in terms of run game. Um, the running back situation is a mess. We don't know if Sean McCoy is going to get cut. Frank Gore's there. TJ Yeldon, uh, they drafted Devin Singletary, who's been doing well in camp. That's I don't even know how you handle that situation. Wide receiver, you bring in John Brown. But I think it's going to be a toss-up between Zay Jones and Robert Foster in terms of who's going to be the top-scoring player aside from a quarterback on that team. Yeah. Um, you know, I don't know. I, it truly is a toss-up. I mean, I, I feel maybe more Zay Jones, but they're, they're, they're just those players that are just like, ugh. it's a lot like Marlon Mack, you know, like we talked about earlier. There's nobody to get excited about. They're not sexy. They're, they're players that have – either been there before or they've they've this is possibly the worst uh, division this season i or worst team yeah i mean sure. i don't i don't know i mean whatever Let, let's let's move on from the bills so we got the new york jets so for new york jets who's who's your man i mean who's your who's the player of your choice if you're drafting anybody for your team from the jets who is it I think it's going to be a surprising pick. Um, the first name that comes to mind, obviously, is Le'Veon Bell. He, this week, told everyone who drafted him last year who he effed over. I'm not sure whether we can cross on this podcast. Um, oh, yeah, so, we're, 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 uh, we're explicit. 
So everyone is shitted if you, on. If you haven't heard all the other year. fucks that I've said on this Sorry, podcast, yes, yeah, <laughs> it was the accent. Um, that he should be drafted first this year, according to himself. Um, I don't agree. I I've got a bad feeling about that guy in this in this team in this offense. Someone I don't have a bad feeling about who has become quite dependable over the last couple of years is Robbie Anderson. Um, Donald's got an arm. He loves going deep to Anderson. Um, I know he's got a couple of other options there with a number and Crowder now, but um, Bell for me is just one of those guys who is going to be a bust. He's going to get drafted in the first round. He's not going to finish the season as a first rounder. Robbie Anderson. Agree to disagree. I mean, I think Robbie Anderson is going to have a solid season. I agree with you. And I think the addition of Le'Veon Bell is only going to make it better for Robbie Anderson. Possibly. But I do feel like Le'Veon has a bit of a chip on his shoulder. I think he understands he made a probably a poor business decision last year mm-hmm. um, by really shutting out the Steelers and, and deciding not to not to play there. You know, at the end of the day, he didn't make much more money, if anything, over what he would have made at the franchise tag. Exactly. <clears throat> and, yeah, I get that you he maybe saved some life on his legs, but he is a year older, um, which doesn't – it doesn't benefit you as an NFL running back. He's, he's not on the Pittsburgh Steelers. And that is true. And, and their system has kind of proved that it's just one after the next. I mean, James Conner just filled in. When James Conner was down – I mean, you had what's his name? Uh, I can't even think. Is he helped me win a fantasy football league last year? Um, I mean, it's just one after the next, and I mean that Jalen Samuels. Sorry, it took so long. Um, thank you, interns. Um, but I, that said, Le'Veon Bell, I think will have a good season. I guess I, I disagree with you a little bit. I mean, he's still a talented player. I mean, he's good at what he does. I mean, you, you have the the wide receiver core for the Jets. You have a young quarterback that can air it out. Um, you have a running back that has the ability to run and pass catch. I, I just feel like he'll still be able to perform. Like, he's not going to be a shit player. My, my, my issue, if you don't mind me jumping in, is I don't think the Jets are good or good enough. They're going to have a losing record. They're going to be playing from behind. Does that all play well into the Le'Veon Bell world where he's used to being on an amazing offense with Antonio Brown, high-scoring games, getting a lot of touches on the ball? I I just feel like he's in the wrong (laughs) offense to reproduce what we've seen in a Steelers uniform. Maybe. I mean, I know the Steelers have had some shit seasons. Um, and I think even then, like, Le'Veon Bell has performed. So has Antonio Brown. You know, they, they didn't make it Super Bowl. Yeah. Like, so I think he'll do okay. But if he doesn't do okay, I mean, I, I really wonder how long he'll make it in the NFL uh, if he has a poor season. Um, but personally, I think he'll, I think he's going to have an okay season. Yeah. I think he'll be the top scorer. I think he's going to outperform Anderson. So we'll move on to next. We're in the AFC South. So we'll move to our hometown team, the Houston Texans. And I'll, I'll let you an- answer this on the Sanders. So who is going to be the top performer on the Houston Texans? This 
surprisingly, everyone probably automatically thinks, okay, well, we're just going to go straight to DeAndre Hopkins. He's a stud. <laughs> he's, a, he's probably the best wide receiver in the league. But Deshaun Watson himself, between the two of them, they're so dynamic. If Watson gets a full season, I know it's a big if, of Will Fuller, if those hamstrings or whatever else seems to go out on this guy, if he can play even 13 games, what does that do for Watson's points as far as deep ball touchdowns? And if we get Kiki Kuti across the middle, all, I mean, it all adds up. We've got to remember that the Texans played the majority of last season with just Hopkins. Um, so Watson just honed in on him, just went for him. I mean, it, it, the amount of receptions he had every game was over 10. It was outrageous. Um, and then when Demarius came in, he also fell down to injury. So it was just, you know, one of those things. But uh, Hopkins is a stud, but I'm going to make a bold call and say Deshaun Watson is going to be the highest scorer in Texan. Uh, I, I don't disagree with your logic. And probably in fantasy perspective, he might be the highest scoring. But I do feel like Hopkins will have that. I think he's going to be a, a top three wide receiver. Um, as long as... Watkins, Watkins can stay healthy. Mm-hmm. And then even as long as Fuller can stay healthy to draw more targets, just to, to make Watson open more, uh, specifically in the end zone, <coughs> I think Hopkins will will be the, the, the guy to have for the Texans. So Indianapolis Colts, who you got? We touched on the Colts a little bit earlier when we slandered Marlon Mack um, to a degree. Um, but it, 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 this is a similar argument for me as to what we just discussed with the Texans. Quarterback wide receiver. Is it Luck? Is it Hilton? Is the rest of the team healthy? Do we get Eric Ebron? Do we get Jack Doyle out there? Does that take away from Hilton? Does that help Andrew Luck? If we are determining this right now off of all of these guys are healthy, this is difficult. Um, I'll go T.Y. Yeah, I agree with you, T.Y. Hilton. I think he's a, he'll be the top spot. But Luck could easily finish the season as a top three quarterback. Yeah, I mean, as a, as a caveat, I'd say that, I mean, obviously quarterbacks are going to outperform a lot of players depending on their leagues rules and point categories so i mean it's easy to say that a quarterback will outperform any player mm-hmm. but in terms of who's going to be the the true difference maker i agree with you that it's probably going to be ty hilton yeah. uh, that's going to help leagues so tennessee titans um who who's your man this this is an interesting one so <laughs> They suffered quite a few injuries last season. They lost Delaney Walker, I think, in week one or week two. Um, Johnny Smith came in, did really well, and then he went down himself. Um, Derek Henry decided that he was going to remember how to play football towards the end of the season. Um, Dion Lewis vanished at that point. Corey Davis has flashed. They now have Adam Humphreys. They've drafted A.J. Brown. I don't watch college football, so I've got no idea about this guy. I'm sure you do a little bit more than I do. Um, It's tough. It's a punt. Um, If I were to make a call right now, ah, Corey Davis. 
course. See, with all those news and notes, I mean, Corey Davis, they said, is uh, rocking it out in training camp. And granted, you have A.J. Brown, who is hurt. So Corey Davis was drafted in the first round uh, extremely high by the, the Titans last year. A.J. Brown, who was almost considered, or some people might say he's a, a, a more highly rated wide receiver than Corey Brown. Uh, or sorry, Corey Davis. Yeah, Corey Brown stuck in my head from, I think it was Patriots, um, was actually drafted in the second round uh, by the Titans. Um, but he's been hurt through camp. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's had some issues. So, I mean, Corey Davis, he has the ability. He's got the kind of chemistry with Mariota. The question is, will Mariota stay healthy? And you have Tannehill behind him, but whoo, like who the fuck is excited about Ryan Tannehill? Exactly. Like, who, who drafts him? Like, not me. So I'm going to actually say that Derrick Henry is is my my pick. You have a coach that comes from the Patriots system that's a run-heavy, a more run-heavy favored coach, and they want to establish that, that run game. We saw it already last year with the essentially elimination of – the ability to have their backup running backs in that system <coughs> uh, with Deion Lewis, um, he, he pretty much became insignificant. Exactly. And I drafted him thinking that he's going to be uh, a high-impact player. Yeah, like the way, like especially coming in with a coach that knew what he could do. Yeah. Um, and Derrick Henry surprised me, and I think he's going to be that player this year. And I, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe Mariota rocks it out. He he can throw for, you know, four or five thousand yards, and have forty passing touchdowns and split it equally among uh, all of his wide receivers. But I think at the end of the day, it's going to come down to Derrick Henry, and he's going he's going to be the player. Anything's possible. I think that they are going to be one of the worst teams in the league. Not as bad as Buffalo and Miami, but. I do not have high hopes for the Titans this season. Uh, looks like our next team is the Jacksonville Jags. Go ahead, Mr. Myers. Uh, Jacksonville. So this is easy for me. I'm going to go Fournette. Uh, he had a troublesome, really, he had an injury-prone season last year. Um, he had an offseason that was kind of plagued by some concerns, potentially with is he favored by the new coach? Is he not favored by the new coach? Does he have some potential reoccurring legal issues? But the news that has come out is he's dedicated. He seems a little bit more humbled and understands that he's young, man. Like he's Mm -hmm. what? 23 years old. If not younger, like, do you you know how we were when we were 23 years old? Like imagine how you would be if you had, millions NFL, of dollars and you were I mean, the stud running back the shelf life is sure you, like, <laughs> like imagine how you'd be in that, oh, that situation I, I, like, i'd be out the league or like how how good of choices would you make i'd be josh gordon <laughs> like and he, he's still lingering josh gordon but uh i i do think fournette's going to turn around this year there's a lot of haters and a lot of people saying he's going to bust this year but i think he's going to turn around i think he's going to be a solid running back like Maybe it's my internal hope that he gets it. He's going to mature and he's going to be the man. But I mean, just um. But I, I think Fournette is going to be the man. So 
With that, we'll shift to the Kansas City Chiefs. Okay. Uh, Chiefs, uh, small town team out of uh, little Kansas. Um, I think I'm going to go with Byron Pringle. Um, no. Yeah. Uh, Patrick Mahomes is my man. Um, watched a clip on Twitter today. Uh, he threw a 70-yard bomb to McCall Hardman. It's what he can do with the ball. It, 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 it's what Brady wishes he could still do or at some point in his career wish he could ever do. It's it's insane. He makes it look so easy. It's majestic. It is, it is very majestic. And being a, a Denver Bronco fan, it's disheartening um, because, god damn, that guy's fun to watch in the planes. The fact that he can go right and throw opposite body. No luck. And... It's it's scary. And if he can continue that this season, then I'm really scared. I mean, I hope it's a fluke, and I hope that it's just his first year getting into it and defense didn't understand him properly. But if it happens again, like, the NFL is evolving. Um, I agree with Mahomes. I also do think, though, that Tyreek Hill, with the news of Um, really suspension not really being significant at all. Uh, in fact, no suspension. Um, I think he's going to be an impact player. He's got to throw it to somebody. Um, so, I mean, if, if you were in best ball leagues the last few weeks and you picked up Tyreek Hill because um, nobody else wanted him, you did excellently. Um that doesn't mean he's a good guy. I'm not sure exactly what he did, and I'm sure he's walking on eggshells right now. So uh, as long as he keeps his nose clean, um, he's a top dog in the offense. But Mahomes, he is something special. I agree with you. So with that, we'll move on. Continuing on with the AFC West, um, we'll shift into the L.A. Chargers. I still want to say San Diego Chargers every time I see them. Um, Definitely. So give me your hot take on the Chargers. This one is odd. (laughs) It is. Uh, Melvin is sat at home currently, and he is reading Le'Veon's tweets from last year and thinking to himself, oh, this seems like a good idea. It's like a like a choose your own adventure. Like, like, like he's if coach says this, proceed to this. No, sorry, it's fucking he, he needs to get his head together. Um, what I've heard is a like twenty million apart at least. I, I don't like where this is going. Um, otherwise, he'd probably be my candidate. So leaning away from him, it's probably going to be maybe a double headed monster at running back with Eckler and Jackson. The safest bet on this offense is more than likely Keenan Allen if he can stay healthy. So he's going to be my pick. There's a lot of big play players. Hunter Henry is coming back, but Keenan Allen's my guy. I agree with your logic, but I'm going to say Mike Williams. I think he's going to surprise. I think, uh, you know, I don't know. I think you're going to see that their primary is going to take a lot of coverage from top tier cornerbacks. Um, 
And I don't know, like Alan doesn't have a, a history of staying healthy. And I think that is one of the producers, one of one of our uh, one of our interns needs some help. Um, but I think that it's going to be potentially Mike Williams. Like he's going to be the one that's going to pull a lot of the touchdowns and potentially uh, really override what what Allen can do. So with that, we'll go to my home team, Denver Broncos. <coughs> so I guess I'll answer that myself uh, in terms of who I think will be the, the top scoring player. Um, this is a tough one uh, in terms of who who will be the best. Um, I think Phil Lindsay is probably you're probably right. My best, my best, and I hate to say it, but you know I like to pick teams that I don't think are going to be very good this year. I'm looking at this offense. I'm 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 not convincing. Aging Manny Sanders, Cortland Sutton first season with Flacco, Flacco, Philip Lindsay's. Probably the right pick here, but I, I don't want to break your heart, mate. I agree, dude. It's a rough team. Um, but Philip Lindsay, maybe maybe Royce Freeman is a wild card. Maybe even Cortland Sutton. It's it's so tough. I mean, anybody like even Deshaun Hamilton. No fan. Like anybody could surprise us. I think. I think I, this is a season that will be forgotten. But it'll be a season of building Noah Fan. It'll be a season of building Colin Sutton. And building Philip Lindsay and probably even Drew Locke. I, I agree. I mean, if you look at the way John Elway has handled the team this offseason, he hasn't made any big free agent moves, which kind of makes me think that, I mean, he's, I think he knows that this season's going to kind of be a bit of a bust. And he can say that he wants Flacco to be the man and he's going to be the next Peyton Manning. But I, even though Vaughn Miller is going to be a year older, I think they're going to be perfectly happy if they get a top five draft pick next year in Agreed. the 2020 class. Agreed. So with that, we move to the Oakland Raiders, which is soon to be the Las, Las Vegas, Vegas Raiders. That rolls off the tongue. <laughs> Las Vegas Raiders. So who's your who's your uh, go-to for Las Vegas? Antonio Business Brown. Um I've been keeping track of this guy throughout the offseason. Um, his training has been incredible. I mean, he he is pushing himself to the limits. He has a chip on his shoulder. He wants to prove that Ben Roethlisberger is not the reason for his success. He's the number one wide receiver in the league. I mean, everything adds up for this guy, given his all this season, as long as there's at least decent quarterback playing Derek Carr. Um, and they aren't intentionally tanking, which I believe they were last year. Um, it's clearly Brown. I mean, I agree with the mindset. Um, however, I mean, I, I do think that, I mean, Josh will have a chance of really being that top scoring running back for the Raiders. Um, I mean, he's a high draft pick. Uh, I can see them relying on the run game a bit more. Um, I mean, look at the wide receiver history between, I mean, what they had with Amari Cooper. I mean, was Amari Cooper this number one guy that they had at, at Oakland? 
before with Derek Carr? I mean, no. Was Jordy Nelson that guy that they brought in? Was he his top wide receiver? I mean, you're talking about wide receivers that were – I mean, Amari Cooper did better when he went to Dallas with Dak Prescott. Like, is Dak Prescott the man? So – like we'll I, get to him, I, but <laughs> I, I, a couple, a couple of things on their team last season. I think that after say game three of the season, Gruden knew what he had and knew, okay, we suck. Um, we're going to continue sucking intentionally. We will move what we need to move. We're going to get draft picks. Um, I don't. I mean, you don't sign Antonio Brown to stink. You do not do it to intentionally tank. Um, they moved away from Cooper. They, I mean, they had Cooper. They they had Jordy Nelson. He was stretching the field. At least he was trying in his old age. But now they've got a younger Tyrell Williams, the gazelle, to stretch the field for Antonio Brown. I think that if this team starts a season off hot, they are going to be the polar opposites of what we saw last year. Well, then we'll say, Hugo Antonio Brown, I'll say Josh Jacobs. Definitely will be the the most fantasy relevant player for the Raiders. Yeah. Simply because of Derek Carr. So with that, we move to Do we go to the NFC? Or do we want to save that for the next podcast? Let's uh let's let's tease that and save that for uh the rest of the league for next. Okay. Well for all the ladies listening. <laughs> We'll save uh, Mr. Andrew Robson Powell's uh, glorious commentary uh, for potentially podcast four, or podcast five. Um, but with that said, we appreciate everybody listening tonight. I know we've had a bit of uh, uh, a mixed mass of really commentary between our interns and uh, the producer. The producer, yeah, yeah. We had we did have the producer. It's a dick. Yeah. Yeah, no comment. Like I don't want to. I don't want to shit talk on the producer, but uh, we appreciate everybody listening tonight. Um, we will have another podcast coming up next week. You know, we plan on having this evolve a little bit. If it's having guest commentary, bringing in owners from other leagues, um, or even having potentially uh, entertain maybe solo solo podcasts throughout the week, just to give some updates on NFL news and notes, um, or just whatever the fuck we want to talk about. And uh, if your spouse is listening and judging my my language, well, fuck them. Um, that's just who I am. It's good for the listeners. <laughs> but uh, with that said, uh, we appreciate it and have a good night. Yep. Um, apologies for those that could not understand me. And that's 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 how you're finishing. <laughs> All right. Good night, guys.